We are uh, just beginning the series called Radical Discipleship. And a reminder to everybody that really to follow Jesus means that you go all out or go home. A lot of people think that they're disciples. A lot of people think that they're followers of Christ. A lot of people think that they're Christians. And you might be one of those people here this morning. You were, maybe you went to Sunday school as a child or Maybe you were christened as a child, or maybe your parents were Christians, your grandparents were Christians, and so therefore you believe that you're a Christian. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what your story is, but what I do know is what Jesus teaches us about what it means to be a true follower of Christ. And so that's what we're talking about uh, over the next several weeks. We're talking about what it, what it really means to be serious about following Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Take a look at this, uh, at this definition here, and maybe I'll get you to read that with me. Uh, by definition, oh, 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 hello? Let's try this one more time. By definition, and discipleship is Yeah, very good. That sounds good. We, we all caught up there, there at the end. Uh, tr- simply put, a true disciple, a true follower of Christ is someone who is equipped by the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what a true Christian is. And here's the thing. There's a lot of people that don't understand that. They don't realize that. They think, you know, if I go to church on Sunday, then that's good enough. You know, put a few bucks in the offering plate as it goes by, that's good enough. Uh, Help out around the church a little bit, that's good enough. But what I'm talking about this morning is more than just being religious. I'm talking about more than just being a part of a religion or a religious group. What I'm talking about this morning is to seriously and radically follow Jesus. And the question I have for you this morning is this. Are you ready to do that? Is this really what you want? Because I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you right off. I am not interested in playing the religious game. Is anybody with me on this? I, I don't want to play that game. I don't want to just sort of do my job and, you know, try to preach a sermon, throw a few jokes in and and make everybody feel good, and everybody goes home, and we'll see you next week. I don't want to do that. And I don't want to just develop projects where, uh, you know, you can get involved and be kind to people and make you feel good, and that'll be it. I don't want to play that game. What I want, first of all, as a Christian, is I want to follow Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And secondly, as a pastor, I want to teach and to preach a message to you that will bring you along into this real and radical followership. And I'm going to tell you right off that it's not, it's not what we hear too much of these days. In fact, what I'm going to share with you today is probably not what you're going to hear in a lot of places now. Because, here's why. Because it's, it's not comfortable. Uh, it's not attractive. It's not, it's not something that's going to make you necessarily feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I want to talk to you about radical 
give her everything you got, Christianity. And so I want us to look at the scripture verse here, because, and you, you recognize some of these verses from last week, but we see here, we see followers of Christ who are, are, are really radical in their vision, radical in, in, in their understanding of who Christ is. And look what it says here. The whole crowd, it's Luke 19, 37 to 40. The whole crowd of disciples, what's a disciple? A follower of Jesus. What's a disciple? The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God and listen to what they say. It's, this is radical stuff. Not for us because you know, we've read this many times and, and we believe this stuff. At least we, we, we believe it here. But these people... These, these followers of Christ are saying something and doing something that has never been done before. They're saying things that have never been said before. And listen to what they say. They're saying this about Jesus. They're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd who overheard all this, they're absolutely shocked or they're mortified that anybody in Israel would be making these kinds of statements about Jesus. They are mortified, and they, they rebuke Jesus, and they say, teacher, rebuke your di- disciples. And Jesus basically says, no. No. No, I tell you, if, he, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the king. I am the Messiah. I am the promised Messiah. I'm the one that all of Israel has been looking for for hundreds of years. I am, I am the one. I am the Lord's anointed. They're, they're shocked. They're, they're horrified at this. They, they believe it's blasphemous, and especially blasphemous in that they are praising Jesus. Now, I want to, I want to stop now and, and, think, and consider for a moment... Uh, Consider who these Pharisees represent in your life and in my life. Because here's the thing. We all face Pharisees. Now, can I just say this? Pharisees don't necessarily represent, are not representative of, of the religious class. That's not what it represents. The Pharisees represent those who do not know Jesus and don't want to know Jesus. And you know people in your life like that. You know people at work like that who don't know Jesus and they don't want to know Jesus. And maybe you've experienced some opposition and some uh, real persecution from them. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But these, these, these Pharisees are actually prejudiced against Jesus. And what does the word prejudice mean? It means to prejudge, doesn't it? They have prejudged Jesus. They've made up their mind about him, and they have come to the conclusion that Jesus is not the Messiah, that he is not of God, even though Jesus has raised people from the dead, Remember, that's why the whole crowd of disciples were joyfully praising Jesus, because of the miracles they'd seen. Jesus rose people from the dead. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He fed the 5,000. This with a few loaves and fishes. He fed the multitudes. But they prejudged Jesus. They made up their minds not to know him, not to understand him, and not to accept him. I'm going to tell you something. There's two kinds of people in this world. There are those who want to know Jesus, and there are those who don't want to know Jesus. There are those who are prejudiced, who have prejudged Jesus, and there are those who have made it their 
ambition to know Christ with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Listen to me. There's nothing, nothing wishy-washy about the way Jesus operates. You can't sit on the fence, my friends, when it comes to Jesus. You cannot sit back and say, oh, Jesus was a good teacher. No, as, as C.S. Lewis said, he's either, he's either the Lord or he's not the Lord or he's a lunatic. You've got to take one of those, one of those positions. If he's the Lord, then you need to worship him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If he's not the Lord, well, then don't. But I'll tell you this. If Jesus says he's the Lord, then either he's telling the truth or he's a lunatic. And so here's the question for you this morning. Will you follow Jesus with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength, in spite of, the Pharisees in your life, the people who oppose you, the people who oppose the message of Christ. Now, I'm going to just say this to you this morning. <laughs> Jesus actually brought this opposition upon himself. You know that. You know that, you know that Jesus is kind of asking for this kind of a rebuke from the Pharisees. I mean, if you have read your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know that Jesus said some pretty, inflammatory things. He said some, some pretty radical, provocative things, didn't he? He did, didn't he? This idea that you know, Christianity is all warm and fuzzy and cozy and all sweet and whatever, that's just it's nonsense. Because Jesus comes up with some very radical thoughts and, 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 and sayings. For instance, he says, uh, if anybody harms you, anybody offends you, you have to forgive them. And it's not just a suggestion. You have to forgive them because Jesus says this. He says, if you don't forgive them, then your heavenly Father won't forgive you and you'll go to hell. Jesus, do you know what they did to me? Jesus, said, Jesus says, if you don't forgive, then God won't forgive you and you won't make it to heaven. It's pretty radical stuff. Yeah, but Jesus, I'm talking that people have done some very, very, very bad things to me. Jesus says you've got to forgive, or your Father in heaven won't forgive you. Radical stuff. Jesus is asking for this kind of opposition, isn't he, from the Pharisees? Well, here's the thing. Either Jesus knows what he's talking about, or he doesn't. Jesus goes on to say this. He says, uh, if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your mother and your brother and your father and your family. What? Jesus, you're just going a little too far here. You're asking me to hate my family? Wow, that's radical. And it's something you're not going to hear from TV preachers too often, is it? Jesus says, uh, you can only say that you love me if you obey all my commands. In other words, you can't really call yourself a follower of Christ if you don't obey all the things that Jesus says. Wow. In other words, Jesus is saying, you are not a Christian. You are not a Christ follower if you don't do everything that I say that you should do. Well, it gets even more radical than that. Jesus says, uh, if your eye offends you, then you should, what, pluck it out. Jesus, is this really the way that you want to win people to your cause? Can I remind everybody that Jesus wasn't trying to create a new religion? He wasn't trying to create a following. He wasn't trying to win. Listen, he wasn't trying to win a popularity contest. Jesus says you've got to pluck out your eye if it offends you. In other words, if you're, 
that's causing you to sin, if sin is entering into your heart through your eye, pluck it out. Wow. And if that's not enough, he says, if your, if your hand's offending, you cut it off. Is this in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. You should check it out sometime. If you're going to be a radical disciple of Christ, then you have got to embrace the teachings of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, they're all very radical. And if that's not radical enough, then Jesus says this. Uh, he says, if you, um, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, some of you are just sitting there as if, they, oh, yeah, no, no big deal. Did you hear what I said? Jesus said, if you, want to, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And some of you never knew that Jesus said that. How many never knew that Jesus said that? It's pretty radical stuff. And, of course, you know what we're talking about. We're talking about the celebration of communion, which we'll be doing in a few weeks. Jesus says this. He says, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this. And this really is offensive, not just in Jesus' day, but in our day. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to God except through me. Would you call this radical? It's very radical, because I'm going to tell you right now that if you ask the average man on the street, does it matter what religion you're part of? Most people will say it doesn't matter. But Jesus comes along with these radical sayings, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to God but, but through me. Jesus is saying, I'm the only way. I'll tell you, that's why a lot of people hate Christians, because they think that we are, we're so bigoted. Listen, we're not bigoted. We're just following the teachings of our Master. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus says, uh, I accept the praises of mankind. It's okay. And the Pharisees say, that's it. Can't take any more. We've got to snuff this guy out. We've got to put an end to this guy. He's just too radical, too out there. He's going to actually, Jesus is actually going to disturb our culture, our society, if we let him go on as he is. And so they think we'll put him to death and that'll be the end of that. What they don't understand is they are part of God's plan to fulfill his purpose from the beginning of time, which, to, which, was, listen, which was to redeem you and me, to rescue you and me, from our sin. They thought they were putting an end to Jesus. What they didn't understand is that they were putting in motion a brand new plan. A plan to save humanity. And Jesus goes to the cross, dies for you and for me, and gives us new life. At least to all who accept him. Now, I said at the beginning that Jesus, following Jesus and Christianity is not all about warm, warm fuzzies and feeling good about ourselves. And, although I hope that, that does happen, but that's not the main thing. Look, look what Jesus says here in Matthew. Jesus says, and this comes as a shock to some people, Jesus says, don't suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now that comes as a surprise. A lot of people didn't know that Jesus said that. Jesus says, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. 
How many knew that Jesus said this? What we're talking about, my friends, is radical Christianity, where God is calling you and me to put Jesus before everyone and everything else. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to put Jesus first in your life? Because this is what being a radical Christian is all about. So I want to talk to you this morning about how to be a radical disciple. And the very first thing that a radical disciple uh, does is he, he does not, he, he's not surprised by opposition. He's not surprised when opposition comes his way. Radical Christians are not surprised by opposition. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 22, he says, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Did you hear that? You thought all you had to do was say the sinner's prayer and everything would be set. I'd just say a prayer and say, Jesus, I accept you into my life and I'll see you when, when I get to heaven. And Jesus is not saying that at all. He's saying you've got to follow him. And not only that, but to those who do decide to follow Jesus are going to be hated. Are you, are you open to that? Are you prepared for that? Some of you are experiencing opposition right in your own home. Maybe you're here today, your spouse is not here because your spouse doesn't know Jesus, doesn't love Jesus, and in fact is quite ticked off at you for leaving the home every Sunday morning to come to church. Jesus says, don't be surprised at that. Maybe you're, you're experiencing it at your workplace. Some of your workmates know that you're, you're following Jesus, you want to be a Christ follower, and they don't, frankly, they don't like the fact that you're following Jesus the way you are. And the reason they don't like it is because you make them feel guilty. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're going to school and you're, you're being opposed by some of your classmates because of your radical Christian views. I'm gonna, can I just remind everybody of something? There's nothing politically correct about Christianity. Did you know that? It just seems to offend everywhere it goes. But this shouldn't come as a surprise to us because Jesus said that this is exactly what was going to happen. Jesus says, I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter... Now listen, why is this? Why is this? It's because the fact of the matter is, is that some will accept Christ and some will not. But there is no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying today? There is no middle ground. There is no sitting on the fence. There's, there's none of this, uh, uh, you know, we'll accept Jesus as an as a important historical teacher. Jesus, is, Jesus doesn't accept that. So either you accept him or you hate him. There's no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. And it's pretty radical. There's a lot of people out there who would consider Jesus one of the greats, one of the great thinkers in history, one of the great religious leaders in history. And Jesus is saying, no, I don't accept that. It's like, I'm the only valid religious teacher in all, of, in all of history. Pretty shocking stuff. My, um, one of the things that I've discovered in my generation and, and pastors who are younger than me are, are trying desperately to make Christianity acceptable and palpable to, to our culture and our society. We want to do everything we can to, to sort of to, to hide the uncomfortable things about Jesus and the uncomfortable teachings about Jesus. Don't mention, don't mention those uncomfortable things that Jesus said. And yet, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. You read Matthew, 
Mark, Luke, and John, and you will find that it is extremely offensive stuff. Because it calls you to live a life that follows Christ and does not make allowance for anybody or anything else. It's amazing. It's very intolerant. I remember reading the New Testament for myself. Read it in the, I just actually got my brand new, new international version of the Bible. I've been using a King James version. And I understood, you know, I understood good parts of it, but great parts of it I didn't understand. But when, when I got my full new international version, I read, I especially read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for the, for the very first time through new eyes. And I can remember thinking then, wow, this is really offensive stuff. This, this is really radical stuff. If you have not come to the place yet in your life where you recognize how radical the teachings of Christ are, then chances are you don't get it. You don't understand it. Because here's what's happening. Jesus is introducing a brand new kingdom, a kingdom that is not of this world. A kingdom, listen to me, that's diametrically opposed to the kingdoms of this world. Totally politically incorrect. And yet that's, that's what Jesus comes along with. And so my generation is trying to make the whole thing comfortable and trying to smooth things over and trying to make it comfortable and trying to make it appealing to the masses. Jesus never, ever did that. In fact, you know what's happening? Even in, even, uh, in the first century of the Christian church, they were trying to make Christianity comfortable for those who were not Christians so that somehow we could draw them in. And it became such a problem that Jesus' brother James had to say this in James 4.4. He says this. He says, you adulterous people. He's talking to Christians. You adulterous Christians. When we're talking about adulterers, we're talking about having a a love affair with, with Christ and trying to have a love affair with the world. And that's why he's calling it adulterous. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? He says, therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. In other words, you've got to take a radical stand for Christ. You cannot be part of the world. Now listen to me. I'm not saying, because I know some of you are thinking, well, this maybe means I should go live in a, in a commune, get away from the world and just, just stick to the Christians, you know, maybe start a new Hutterite colony, call it an, an Alanite colony. All the people who are past, part of Pastor Allen's church, we'll start our own, our own colony and... Uh, and Bob can be the mechanic, and Nathan can be the farmer. And, and, you know, so, no, Jesus doesn't say that. He says this. He says, I want you to be in the world, but don't be of the world. In fact, your life will be so radical, so different, that people will either love you or they will hate you just the way they either loved Jesus or hated Jesus. Now, here's, here's the thing. If, if you're not experiencing opposition in your, in your life, this is this. If you're not experiencing opposition in your Christian life, then you're just not doing it right. You're, you're not doing something right. Because the world will either love what you have and love what you profess and love your faith and love your Jesus, or they will hate it. I had, um, I had uh, someone come up to me after the service and uh, I was talking about how, in, how the world hates, hates Christianity. In fact, we see it in our schools. Uh, 
Uh, does anybody remember the days? Like, this will show you how old you are if you say yes to this. But does anybody remember the days when you come to school, you'd sing, Oh Canada, and then what would you do? The, say the Lord's Prayer. And then after the Lord's Prayer, you'd sit down, and what would happen next? The teacher would read the Bible to you. Does anybody remember those days? So there's a few old people here today. That doesn't happen now. And how many remember that at, in school at Christmas time, there was a Christmas pageant where it was Mary, Joseph, the, you know, the angels and the shepherds. And, they don't do that anymore. They don't allow it anymore. In fact, uh, in, when we were living over here, uh, the kids went to Cecil Rhodes, and they would have, uh, um, they'd have the Christmas festival, they would call it. And, I mean, Christmas, Christ Mass, Christmas festival, nothing about Christ there at all. Uh, we, they would allow, and I don't, mean to be, I don't mean to be offensive, although I might be to some here when I say this, but they would have, um, they would have the, the, the native teachings, the seven, what are the seven pillars or seven truths or whatever, and they called the seven sacred truths. So, so what you're saying then is we, we, we can't have Christianity, but we could have other religions. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Carolyn O'Neill, I was talking about her this morning, about how, as a music teacher, she does her Christmas production, and she gets somehow she gets her Christian, the Christian story, at Christmas, sort of under the radar. And um, she's one of the few, she's a Christian teacher, see, and as a Christian, she's going to share her faith through that Christmas production. And she said one year she asked the staff, should we or shouldn't we? do a true Christian Christmas production. She said, the staff of 15, three said no, so they didn't have it. And that was the year that, that parents and grandparents from the community sent letters to the editor of the newspaper saying, what happened to our, Christian, our Christmas story? And she said, after that, she, she cut that article out of the paper, and every year when it comes time to discuss the Christmas production, she puts that editorial on the table and says, we're doing the Christmas story at our, at our school this year. And so every year, Carolyn is doing the Christmas story, standing up for what she believes in. I'm going to ask you the question, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take the risk? You, you, you'll discover, friends, that you stand up for Jesus and start taking these steps of faith, of doing the right thing, not the thing that's politically correct, but the thing that you should be doing as a Christian. And you'll be surprised. Yeah, you'll be surprised at some of the opposition, but you'll be surprised at how many people are saying, yeah, this touches a chord in my heart. This is, this is the right thing. This is right. This is what I want. You see, radical Christians understand that they will experience opposition, but they also understand that this is the way that the message of Jesus Christ goes forward. They don't back down. They don't back off. They expect opposition because Jesus said it's going to happen. The other thing that, that a disciple of Christ will uh, not do is that they will not be intimidated by the Pharisees. Remember, these Pharisees, they represent all the people of the power and the authority in our culture and society. They're the, the school teachers. You know, we've got to be politically correct. We've got to do the right thing. They're the politicians. We, we're, we're, we're not going to give any, any special recognition of Christianity. The big discussion right now is that Canada, it was, how many know that Canada is no longer called a Christian nation? Everybody knows that? 
It used to be. It's not called a Christian nation anymore. But now suddenly, people who are not even believers, who are not even followers of Christ, are starting to recognize what's happening to this country that used to be Christian. They're recognizing that, in fact, it's being dominated by other religions. And it's starting to scare people. And they're starting to recognize we've gone too far down the political correctness road. A true follower of Christ will never be intimidated by the, by the people of authority and the people of power, the ones, ones who sway our culture and our society. You know what I'm talking about. You're talking about the media talking heads. Anybody ever heard of John Stewart or Stephen Colbert, the Colbert Report, and Bill Maher, and, and, and The View? Anybody seen The View? 10 o'clock every morning, Monday to Friday. I see it on Mondays when I'm my day off. Four women, sometimes five if Barbara Walters shows up. Two, two are, are supposed to be professing Christians and the other two are not. In fact, the other two are extremely uh, liberal in their views. And guess what? The one who is a, a staunch Christian is the one that always comes across as shrill and as unattractive and as, um, as hard to take. She's the one that's least like. Her name is Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard of her or seen her. What's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on. Is that we have a, a society and a culture that is, that is absolutely diametrically, diametrically opposed to the values of Christianity. And so when someone like Elizabeth Hasselbeck stands up and says, hang on a minute here, I don't believe in abortion. I don't, I don't believe abortion should happen at any time, place, or under any circumstance, the whole audience begins to boo and shout her down. Why? Because here's the thing. The message of Christ is in opposition to the message of this world. The message of this world said, let me do whatever I want. Don't interfere with what I want to do. I'm my own boss. I am my own God. I am my own king. I am my own Lord. The minute you decide that you're going to follow Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, the minute that you decide that you are going to be radical for Christ is the day that you're going to experience the intimidation of those, or of those who, who know best. When I was in high school, um, and by the way, can I just say this? Peer pressure, peer pressure can really intimidate you because you're, you're, your peers know best. When I was in high school, um, some of the kids used to call me father because I was a Christian. And being a predominantly Catholic and Jewish school, I mean, anybody who was following Jesus was, must, you know, must be Catholic, so call me father, father. And um, we got talking one day, and, 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 and I, the kids were talking about going, you know, getting drunk and going to social parties, whatever. And I said I'd never been drunk before. And I'd never been stoned. What? Have you, what rock have you been hiding under? Never been drunk, never been stoned? No, I haven't been hiding under any rock, but I've been on the rock, Jesus Christ. My life is controlled not by the authorities, the powers, the ideas, the pressures of this world. My life is under the influence of Jesus Christ. 
I want to ask you that question this morning. Are you being controlled by Jesus, or are you being controlled by the powers, the authorities, the pressures of this world? You see, if you're going to be a radical follower of Christ, it means, my friends, that you're not intimidated by anything or anyone. Jesus did not come to bring peace to the earth. He came to bring a sword. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you are going to follow Jesus, you are going to be opposed. If you're going to follow Jesus, then there are going to be all kinds of powers and pressures and authorities that are going to try to intimidate you. After the message this morning, Don Davidson came out to me and said, Pastor Alan, I just read today that in 53 countries in this world, it is illegal to preach the sermon that you preach today. 53 countries in the world, it's illegal. Guess what's going to come to Canada soon? And I'm not saying maybe. I'll, I'll, I'm going to stake my reputation on this. The day is coming when it will be illegal for me to sit here and preach to you the things that I preach to you. We, the day is coming, my friend. It's, it's, not, it's not a matter of maybe. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. Back a few years ago, Camp Arnez decided that they were not going to allow a group to use their facilities. It was a, a group of, a, a gay group that wanted to come and use the facility, and they said no, because this goes against what we believe. They came under tremendous pressure from the media, government officials, and the Winnipeg School Division, number one, who had used the camp for many years, said that's it, never again will we allow our schools to use Camp Arnaz. Now, I've got to tell you this. I, I went to Camp Arnaz when I was in grade five. I mean, some of you here today remember the day when grade five, you go to camp and it was Camp Arnaz. Not anymore. But Camp Arnaz would not be intimidated, would not bow to the pressures. And they took a stand. And as far as I know, they're still going, with or without the financial backing of the Winnipeg School Division. Now listen to me this morning, my friends. God is calling you and me to take a stand for him and not to be intimidated. This is what it means to be a radical Christ follower. So you, you're not surprised by opposition. And you're not intimidated by the pressures of this society. And guess what else? You are careful to do what Jesus says. If you could back up a... a just back up one slide. Listen, listen, look, what they, look what they called Jesus. They called him the king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Listen to me. By definition, your king is your Lord and your master. And if you're going to be a radical Christ follower, it means you're going to do everything that Jesus calls you to do. It means you're not going to back off no matter what. I had someone come up, come up to me again after the morning service, a relatively new Christian, and she said, you know what? I grew up in the church all my life. I never got it. But this morning, something just happened within me. I understand what it means to just give everything for Jesus. I thought, that's cool. That's cool. And you know what she said to me then? She said, you know what? If you're going to drink and if you're going to party and you're going to live wild, then do it with all you've got. And if you're going to be a Christian, do it the same way with all you've got. 
Don't go halfway. And I said, can I, can I use that in my second service? He said, by all means, but don't say who it was. I said, uh, you know what? There's nothing more aggravating, more annoying than half-hearted Christianity. Isn't that true? It's like a pebble in your shoe. You're trying to, you're trying to be a Christian and you're trying, to, you're trying to live in the world and do what everybody in the world does, but you always feel guilty. Why would you want to live like that? Listen, a radical Christian says, I'm not going to do what the world does. I'm going to follow Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm going to give her all. My friend, that is when you are happy in your walk with Jesus. Let me just close with this. Some of you know that back in October, um, last October, my family uh, went to, to Europe. It was kind of the... So the last big trip as a family, Jesse entered manhood and didn't know if we'd ever see him again. So I thought, better, better do this while he's still around. We went to Europe together. And one of the very first things that we saw was the Colosseum. Anybody know what the Colosseum is? That massive building. Anybody see the gladiator? Well, the place where the gladiators fought was the Colosseum. And I still remember the day we, we, were, we were out doing our sightseeing, didn't really have much of a map, we came around the corner, and there was the Colosseum. And I can remember, ah, there's the Colosseum! Yay, we're there. We, uh, we, we hired somebody to give us a tour. We went in and, and began to look around. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Colosseum was a place of torture, both of animals, of slaves. Uh, you know the gladiators who, who fought one another for the pleasure of the Roman public? They would come and watch these people slaughter each other. And everybody, yes, the more blood and the gorier, the better. And everybody was happier if there's lots of bloodshed and, and uh, you know, lots of mayhem and murder. And Well, it was Christians that were slaughtered there as well. And I can remember, remember the very first feeling I felt when I walked into that Colosseum and looked at this area where 2,000 years ago, almost, yeah, two, almost 2,000 years ago, my brothers and sisters in Christ were slaughtered because they were Christians. And I remember feeling, I am standing on holy ground. These brothers and sisters in Christ made, it, made up their mind to be radical Christ followers. They were going to follow Jesus no matter what. No matter what anybody said, no matter what the threats, they're going to be Christ followers. Nero so hated the Christians, that he had them dipped in wax, st stuck on stakes, and set them on fire. And he says, you want to be the light of the world? I'll make you the light of the world. And of course, that's taking a, a scripture where Jesus calls us the light of the world, and he's lit them on fire. Now you would think, listen to me, you would think, for, for, the, for the early Christians to see their brothers and sisters on, in Christ on stakes and on fire, you would think that that would kill the church, wouldn't you? You would think that that would cause people to leave Christ. You would think that that would kill the church, the early church. But guess what happened? It quite the opposite effect. Because the people who saw these Christians saw within them a peace, a comfort, a joy, 
a readiness to face their death with utter calm that the people who saw this said, I want what they've got. And rather than wiping out the church, Nero actually increased the church. And people came to Christ by the tens of thousands. Because of this radical Christianity. Now here's the thing. Those who know Christ, those who love Christ, are ready to face eternity, no problem. They have a peace and a joy in their hearts that this world cannot give and no Caesar can take away. I stood in that Colosseum amazed that I was in the place where the very first martyrs were created, right here. And then I looked up and I saw the cross. Taryn, show them that picture. The cross of Jesus Christ in that Colosseum. When Nero in 64 AD burnt Christians at the stake, when Nero sent Christians to the lions to be eaten for the pleasure of the Roman masses, he never would have believed that in just a number, in, in just a number of years that that very Colosseum would be claimed by the church of Jesus Christ and turned into a church. My friends, I want you to understand something today. You will be opposed and forces will come against you to intimidate you. But I want you to know this, that at the end of the day, Jesus Christ and his church prevail. And no force and no power in heaven or on earth will be able to overcome the church of Jesus Christ. My friends, through Christ, you and I are more than conquerors. You are here today, maybe feeling discouraged and overwhelmed by life, but I want you to know today that through Jesus Christ, you are more than conquerors. You are victorious. And Satan and Caesar and this culture and the Pharisees, they can throw their worst at you. But guess what? You will stand victorious through Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. My friends, Jesus is inviting you today to follow him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength to be totally sold out for him. And watch what happens in your life. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you right now that you have given us your word and instructed us how to live in this world. And we think back to those early disciples, the ones mentioned in Luke chapter 19, the ones who followed you before you even went to the cross. We see that when it came time for you to go to the cross, they deserted you. It's because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. But then we read 
in Acts chapter 2, that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And believers came to Christ by the thousands. And people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly people were energized and empowered to follow you as radical disciples. God, today I pray that everyone here who calls Jesus Christ Lord would understand that they too have the power of the Holy Spirit available to them to follow you with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul and strength. God, we pray that you would raise up for yourself an army here that would go forward with this glorious message of life and of hope knowing, God, that we are more than conquerors. We are victorious through Christ. This is the radical Christian life you've called us to. Now, Lord, go with us as we go from this place. Give us the comfort of your Spirit, the leading and the guiding of your Spirit. Give us the strength of your Spirit. We pray it for Christ's sake. And everyone said it with me. Would you tell someone beside you, go in the power of God.